You are Locked On Bama, your daily podcast on the Alabama Crimson Tide. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, everybody, and welcome back in to Locked On Bama. Luke Robinson, that's me, and Jimmy Stein, that's him. Jimmy, how are you today? Doing just fine. Thanks for having me on. Uh, Yes. You're more than welcome. Uh, (laughs) I appreciate your availability, which is always. (laughs) That's what I say. It's it's the go-to whenever I'm a guest on a radio show. Thanks for having me on. And I, I think that's a good habit to be in. So, I mean, I'm proud of you. Good good manners there by you, Southern, Southerly, Southerly. Um, well, you know, as always, per our podcast, we we have a bit of a structure, but not a great one. Um, I wonder if we <laughs> were like, great. if we were the founding fathers, I think we would have said some stuff like, you know, let's all group up and just try to be nice to one another. And if y'all want to have states and laws and your own shit, you know, go ahead. But uh, we're kind of just going to call this America. And um, yeah, so best of luck, everybody. Let's go get at it. Let's go have a beer. Well, when you have too much structure, it can be boring. Um, It is. And it is Tuesday. And Tuesday, as we all know, has no feel per Seinfeld. Uh, but today does have a yeah. feel because I'm, this is no shit, Jimmy. I was at work earlier today and I was like, you know, today feels awesome because I feel like I've already gotten Monday behind me and yeah. I'm almost done with Tuesday in a way. I'm getting close to almost being done with Tuesday. And then like I'm just coasting into the backside of the week and I know I've got NFL football on Thursday. Um, I know I've got some more college football coming up this weekend. Uh, then just as I'm sitting there thinking about how great the day is, Alabama gets a commitment from Robbie Outs. Is it Outs or Oots? I go Outs, but man, I think I have been wrong about six of the last 10 times on these names, but I think it's Outs, which is Outs. Outs, like Owl. I mean, if you're spelling Ouch, is O U C H, right? So, yeah, but the, the, he has a T and a Z, so wouldn't it be Outs? Outs. I think you're right. I mean, Owls. you made it sound Let's like it's, it's A-U-S-S-S, like owls. Hey, my, my radio partner, Randy Kenny, he makes this point all the time, and I, I'm with him a million percent, where the recruiting industry has failed us all, is why aren't the names phonetically spelled by the recruiting industry people that talk to the kid, and they talk to the family, and they talk to the coach, and they just they, they never phonetically yeah. help us out with that. And it's a failure to do so. We're all calling the kid the wrong name because the recruiting industry doesn't take the time to do that. And they absolutely should. I'm, I'm, it's a soapbox thing with me now that Randy got me on. And I, I agree totally. I mean, those are the people that should tell us how to pronounce the name. They're the ones talking to the family. So they know. No, there's no doubt about that. Um, I wish they did it in all the programs, uh, especially yeah. for high school, because, you know, I get to call a lot of games for the HSA in basketball and when you know one uh, A Sunshine shows up for the for the state championship, I've got a fifty fifty shot at a lot of these names. But <laughs> wouldn't, it, wouldn't it Marcel is Darius that we called him Darius forever, and it's actually Darius, right? Yeah, he, and he didn't tell anybody that until he was he in the NFL. Nobody. Yeah, he never complained until he got to the NFL. <laughs> Gave him a hundred million dollars, and then he's like, "Hey, I'll need to say my name right." And I'm like, yeah. "Well." <laughs> but I was like, it's too late. I remember us ranting about it. too late, Marcel. 
there's no way at my age I'm going to start pronouncing someone's name differently. You're lucky I remember it at all. So, you know, once we, once we stick, and that's the problem with getting the name wrong. See, most humans are like this. I mean, it's just true. It's, it's a human tendency. You you hear a name, and that's what you go with. It's very hard to change it that, down the road, you know. Uh, yeah. So shame on the recruiting industry for not phonetically spelling kids that are, are signing with all schools, not just Alabama. Yeah, and shame on Marcel Darius. I mean, I'm going yeah. with Darius. Yeah. Darius takes too much work to say. Darius rolls off the southern tongue. So. I mean, you tell us on signing. You tell us the first time in a press conference. Oh, by the way, uh, as an aside, I watched. It was the first time for me I could remember watching uh, Brian Robinson and Christian Harris, but I watched them last night at halftime of the BYU game, and, uh, boy, they were both – sharp kids uh i really enjoyed the interviews with uh, brian robinson and christian harris yesterday and those two dudes are ripped to shreds they like the new weight room guys i can promise you that well let's go back to uh robbie outs or oots or whatever the hell it is um a tight end out of rock hill south carolina a three-star guy um i think really across the board i don't know that anybody's got him as a four-star and so no it's fair to say he's three-star in today's world of Alabama recruiting, I think most people will sort of go, eh, you know, do we really want to take a guy who brings down our average star ranking? But I think it is also a couple of things are clear to me. Saban does seem to like him. And we desperately needed a tight end in this class because we got so a Rick Gilberted last year. <laughs> That's totally true. And hey, this is just a fact. A couple of positions on offense, a couple are blue collar. And by that, I mean, it's not really glamorous. And one of those spots is the inline Y, the blocking tight end, the, the guy that's designated to line, to basically be a third tackle, but be just athletic enough to where if we slip you out about 10 yards downfield, you can catch a ball that's softly thrown to you. <laughs> you need, yeah. and, and those guys, guys that fit that description, are never going to be rated highly. The only tight ends that get rated highly are these uh, – fantastic pass catchers who are really just big wide receivers like the Eric Gilberts and Darnell Washingtons and OJ Howards. And sure, there's a handful of those guys, but A, they're hard to find. B, a lot of them end up not being that great, by the way. Tight ends, a, 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 to me, a high bust position for the guys that are rated really highly. Um, I, I think if you looked in the NFL, it would be a great study of all the current NFL tight ends. I think you would find a plethora of three stars that are tight ends in the NFL, including someone like that freak at uh, at San Francisco, Kittle, who's like the highest paid tight end in history. I, I don't know, but I'll bet you anything. He was a three star, you know, out of high school, and now he's the best tight end in the world because uh, it's a developmental position. A developmental position is one where you take a guy who's a – a guy that's willing to do the, the dirty work without a lot of glamour, and then you improve him each year. You improve him in the room, gets a little twitchier, uh, gets a little quicker, gets a little faster, becomes a technician of the position, and that's how you end up developing a tight end that ends up in the NFL. Before a recruiting class is even put together, told me before it started at Alabama that we'd have two three-stars, I would say, I hope the three-stars are at tight end and center because those positions are developed and you need to start out with a kid willing to do a lot of the dirty work. No, that's a good point. And in fact, I think that's probably 
one reason that that tight ends do have such a high bust rate is because look, if you're a tight end that everybody loves to throw to, like I'm going to use uh, Rick Gilbert as an example, not saying he can't block, saying that he's such a weapon in the passing game. You have to at least it goes to reason that he's not a great blocker. Meanwhile, conversely, if you've got a tight end that's an incredible blocker, it stands to reason you don't think he's a great pass. I mean, pass catcher. So he's not as big of a threat, not as fast. He's going to be thicker, not, you know, all those things, not as quick. And um, so I think it's, it makes it very difficult because tight ends also come in. If you are an OJ Howard, you, come into school thinking I'm going to set all the pass catching records for a tight end in school history. But if, and, and then if you're a blocker though, you, you're not going to get the, the love that you should probably get. Whereas yep. you may, that may be the most valuable asset on the offensive line sometimes. So it's a very difficult one to put your finger on. Uh, it's easier to look at a, even a tackle or a guard and see if you can block. But it, like you said, with centers too, it's just, it's never a position you look at unless they screw up. If they botch the snap, you're like, oh, he's a he's a piece of shit one star, you know. But if <laughs> and it, I mean that's that's just the way it is. Those two positions get the least amount of love. Um, yep. I don't think there's any, any doubt about it. And and just think of it. I mean, you know, uh, again, you know, most most fans of our show, college football fans, NFL fans, don't watch football. But seriously, put yourself back in a high school coach. This kid walks in your office. He's 6'4". He's 225 pounds. When he goes to college, he's going to be a really big kid. He's the fastest kid on your team. Are you going to put him at tight end? No. Yeah. No. <laughs> no, you're going to put him at wide receiver on offense or rushing the passer on defense. I mean, that's what that kid's going to do. He's not going to play tight end unless he goes to Hoover or IMG, you know, where you got free, free kids pretty much all over the place. But that kid just isn't going to play tight end. And I think that's why you, there's such a bus factor there because the highest rated tight ends coming out of high school really are just playing wide receiver. How, how, you know, half of them will never want to block, much less block at that tight end position where it's really rough. And then the other half are kids like Robbie Ouse, who's, who's a blocker first. But he doesn't catch balls and make a lot of, you know, he plays with the ball in his hand. So he's going to be a three-star or worse. But he might be pretty good. So I've seen the tape. I think he's a good player. I think he's a take for Alabama. Um, I don't know if excited is the word to take him. Uh, but I'm, I'm satisfied. I'm, total, I'm totally satisfied that this is our tight end take for this year. Uh, speaking of things you should take this year is you should take a trip over to rockauto.com and see their standing line of auto parts and other assorted stuff that you must have. This isn't stuff you kind of need to have or you might want. No, this is stuff you have to have from rockauto.com. All the parts your car will ever need. We've said it a million times chassis and windshield wipers and rear view mirrors. My wife just got. Um, bought herself uh, a brand new Mercedes something that she had ordered and she paid for it, which is great. Cause I couldn't, and um, it's a badass thing. And I was like, we got to go to rock auto if you ever need anything, because uh, Mercedes stuff is high as uh, a giraffe tail. So we got to get this, we got to get this stuff on the cheap where we can. 
And um, so we'll go to Rock Auto when we can because it's quality and it's inexpensive and it's awesome. Go to rockauto.com today. So, Jimmy, we were talking about uh, defensive backs. That's where we left off talking about the roster um, last week. I want to get into that, but very quickly, just a couple other notes because we said we were going to talk about some of the performances of commitments this past week. Uh, I'm I'm hesitant to do it because it's already Tuesday, but I I can't stand it. I have to do it because I'm I'm a high school guy too. I think a lot of people out there are. First of all, Jackson Meeks, who is a really virtual unknown wide receiver from Central Phoenix City. Of course, they have put lots of guys uh, into into high-quality D1 programs lately, uh, two of them going to Clemson. Jackson Meeks just committed to Georgia this morning. He had a big game against Hoover. He had three touchdowns and maybe 200 yards plus or minus with like eight or nine catches. Um, he's he's a hell of a player. And he's he a 21 had, guy. Yeah, and he had been dealing with he dealt with an injury last year, so he uh, wasn't on everybody's radar. But I think the game against Hoover really shot him up the ranks. Now, I mean, I say shot him up, probably shot him up recruiting boards is a better way to say it because Georgia gave him an offer right then and there, and he he's jumped on it. Um, you know, he had offers from, I think, West Virginia and maybe Troy and some folks like that. But, he, I, you know, obviously Alabama I don't think was going to give him an offer. I don't know about Auburn. Apparently they weren't. Um, and, uh, you know, he jumps on this Georgia offer, and this may be another guy from Central Phoenix City that comes back to hunt Alabama and Auburn which I understand. And, you know, the thing about Central Phoenix City that's so interesting, he's, I hadn't done the math, but I'm assuming he's at least as close to Athens as he is to Tuscaloosa. So it's not that big of a, I mean, it's like being in Mobile and choosing LSU. It ain't that big right. of a deal. Right. <clears throat> or, you know, or Memphis and choosing Alabama over Tennessee. It's actually a hell of a lot closer to Tuscaloosa. So um, anyway, kudos to him. I thought that was, uh, you know, a, a good Good thing for the state of Alabama in terms of prospects. Meanwhile, some of the guys that played this past week, I don't know if you watched the IMG Academy game. J.C. Latham was, I mean, you know, you can't really give a lot of stats, uh, but they did go on the road and beat Venice, Florida, who's got some good players, and they just bludgeoned them. I mean, IMG Academy is ridiculous. Ja'Cory Brooks had a big touchdown catch. uh, He only had caught three passes for 25 yards and a touchdown, but, you know, you're not going to – I mean, they were up 21 to nothing so fast. It just didn't even matter. Uh, We talked about in the last podcast about Deontay Lawson. I didn't know his stats. Well, he ended up with 13 tackles, including two sacks and an interception and a five-yard rushing touchdown out of the Wildcat and a 28 to nothing win over Escambia County. He is very quickly approaching five-star status. You know, it's hard to predict that, but Man, the, the the his stat line these last two weeks, it, it, they've been ridiculous. Yeah, I'm looking forward to Mobile Christian getting later in the year, getting into the playoffs with some really good athletic teams before I go overboard, you know, with 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 Deontay. Although I'm I'm not trying to, not trying to be a wet towel and say people are making too much. I mean, Deontay's having an incredible senior season. He's blowing up, and I, we talked about it a few podcasts ago. He's kind of one of these guys in their senior season that's going from good prospect to great prospect. And that's all true. I'm just saying, you know, Scamby County's not featuring any division one players that, that UMS team he beat, uh, you know, has one who didn't even play in the game. Uh, and, you know, let, let's see how Deontay does against, against better, better competition. But uh, there is no reason in the world for Alabama fans not to be excited about uh, what they're getting in Deontay Lawson right now. 
Yeah, and I just because you brought it up, I looked at Mobile Christian's schedule for those who are interested. Uh, they play WS Neal, who's got a they've got yeah, a history right. of being pretty good. They're okay. Yeah, they're one and they're one. Right. They're okay. And then they play Viger. Oh, um, there you go. They, they, there's I don't know how good Viger's going to be this year, but they're going to be athletic because they always they'll are. they'll have to they have Viger year in year out. There's dudes. Even even a three and seven Viger team is going to have dudes. All right, and then they play two schools. They, they then this is Friday, um, September twenty fifth. Opponent to be determined. So I'm assuming this is sort of like a you know fill in the blanks where you can kind of thing on the COVID year. But on a Friday ten two, and then Thursday ten eight, they play back to back. They play Lighthouse Private Christian Academy. I'm going to go uh, on record here and say Deontay Lawson has all the stats he wants in that game. I'm not even. Is that are they from Florida? They're in Pensacola. And then, okay. Jimmy, and maybe you can tell me about this school. I, I'm i with the HSA Radio Network. Hadn't heard of them. St. Michael Catholic? Yeah, they're brand new. Oh, interesting story. It's it's a it's a brand new school. Well, I say brand new. This is probably their third year of playing football. It's in Fairhope, uh, but mm-hmm. in Fairhope out in the country a little bit. Like if you were driving from Fairhope to Gulf Shores, you have to drive through the country, you know, to get there. And that's where St. Michael's is. But what's real interesting is the next head coach at St. Michael's, probably even next season, they already have a head coach in waiting, and the current head coach will slip back into the AD role. But the uh, head coach in waiting is future NFL Hall of Fame quarterback Philip Rivers. That oh, is where, okay. where Philip Rivers is. Yeah, Philip Rivers will be the head coach there, and all 1,700 of his children are going to enroll there. <laughs> Uh, he can feel he the, the, the Catholic. He's got the Catholic part down. I mean, oh yeah, that was my Twitter line of the year about Philip Rivers. Kids will be enrolling at St. Michael's, moving them from two A to five A. That guy hadn't pulled out of nothing. He hadn't pulled out the traffic. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, and then they have uh, they have Jackson, um, and Jackson is typically good. They got players. This is not a banner year for Jackson. And then no, Williams, they got players. And then Williamson and BC Rain. So he's got an opportunity to uh Williamson is Williamson's good, by the way. I, I saw Williamson play two weeks ago. And uh there's 30 kids. This is amazing. There's 30 kids on the entire roster at Williamson. But I swear when you watch their defense play, you're like, all eleven of those dudes need to play college football somewhere. All eleven. They have a very athletic defense, and they are not small either. I mean, yeah. <laughs> they, and uh, and they're mostly young. There's only two or three seniors. A lot of these guys are coming back. Their yeah. defensive coordinator is former Auburn star Antonio Coleman. Yeah. And Coleman says, I've got the best linebacker core in the state of Alabama here. And, of course, headlined by Robert Woodyard, who's who's uh, committed to Alabama one since Williamson. 30 kids on the team. Their defense is elite. Um, okay, Jen, then just a few others. I, I mean, I won't run get into detail with all these guys, but uh, Tim Keenan had eight tackles and a sack and a 36 to seven win over Winona. And I don't know if it, how many people saw the sack, but it was on Twitter. And if you That's weren't awesome. sold on Keenan, like me, I wasn't completely sold on him. I'm sold after that. It showed me enough quickness to make me think, okay, this guy's. This guy's got some serious tools. As yeah, out quick, uh, quick the double team on that play. If I remember oh, right. it was it was beautiful. Um, Ian Jackson, 
for Pratt Bowl, seven tackles and three tackles for loss, five quarterback pressures and a 22-0 loss to Auburn. And I don't mean to pat myself on the back here because of somebody else's failures, but I said a long time ago, look, when I called Pratt Bowl, they're good. They're going to be tough to beat for most everybody, but the top four or five teams in in 7A are better than Pratt Bowl by, by a pretty good long shot, and Auburn beating them 22 to nothing makes me feel like I, I was right on the money there because yeah. – if Auburn beats you 22 to nothing, I don't want to know what Thompson can do. I don't want to know what Hoover can do. I don't, you know, those, those two are, are pretty ridiculous. Hewitt trustful. Um, I think those four teams, Auburn, Hewitt, uh, Thompson, and um, uh, Hoover are, are head and shoulders above everybody else. But Prattville is in the next group, and uh, they're just not ready for to take on those four just yet. Uh, Devontae Smith, uh, the, the recruit Devontae Smith, not the – badass wide receiver we currently have. Uh, he didn't play at a one-game suspension. I think he was thrown out of the previous game, um, so no stats. Kadarius Callaway didn't play because of an ankle thing. Anquan Barnes had a tackle in four pancake blocks, and I think that's a key, four pancake blocks. Maybe he ends up on that side of the ball in a 25-10 to 10 win over Eufaula, who had just beaten uh, Central Phoenix City the previous week. Jeremiah Alexander, five tackles, one-and-a-half sacks, and a one-and-a-half tackle, excuse me, for loss and a sack and a 49-7 win over Tuscaloosa County. And then Robert Woodyard, listen to this, Jimmy, 18 tackles, two interceptions with a pick six, and the other interception was incredibly athletic uh, in a 28-12 loss. He had a pick six, another pick, and 18 tackles, and his team lost 28-12. Holy shit, if he hadn't been there, they would have had to call the dogs off. <laughs> well, as I was just bragging on Williamson's defense, uh, their offense is uh, is pretty putrid. When when Woodyard's not playing offense, <laughs> their 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 offense is pretty bad. And I'm sure if, if we lost to somebody 28-12, that just means their offense was uh, was just helping the other team a lot more than they were helping their own team. But Woodyard is an amazing, uh, gifted athlete and, and, and a modern linebacker in the sense that he's a linebacker, but he's the best athlete on the field. All right, Jimmy, bef- I'm, we're going to break after this question, but I because I was going to save this question for the end of the podcast because we're supposed to divide this up where you do like a little bit, then a commercial, then a lot, then a commercial, then a little bit at the end. But I'm going to save the DB talk for the end because that may be a little bit longer. That's the most interesting position group, I think, for Alabama this year. But I do want to ask a question because I think you actually posed this to our text group. You said that um, one thing you think Alabama will be able to do here shortly is produce a number one draft pick. And you you could see that being Will Anderson. You could also see that being Evan Neal. Um, and I, I totally agree with you. But so here's my question. What one thing do you want Nick Saban to do at Alabama that he hasn't done yet? Produce a number one draft pick. Score 60 points on Auburn or shut out Tennessee? Are you there, Jimmy? I mean, that was such a good question. Uh, gosh, I would love all Did of those things to me? happen. Um, I'm going to say shut out Tennessee, uh, and this is why. Whoa. Upset. <laughs> I'm saying shut out. I thought that – I just threw that one in there. Man, that's a good pick. I like it. Well, and this is the dumb reason. I mean, I mean, it might be dumb to everybody else, but maybe it's just the lawyer in me. But if we produce a number one pick, that would be awesome. But that doesn't necessarily mean we won a game. If we score 60 against Auburn, that's awesome. But that also doesn't necessarily mean we won the game. Yeah. <laughs> we might have lost 62 to 60 with last year's defense. That's true. And, uh, 
And with, if we shut out Tennessee, we're highly likely to win. So I, <laughs> I'm, I'm going with Tennessee. Going with Tennessee, that means we won a game. And the other two things didn't necessarily mean we won a game. So that's my answer. But, no, I do think it's almost strange that at Alabama, Nick has not produced the number one pick in the draft. Now, we did at LSU because he signed Jamarcus Russell, who went on to become the number one pick. So he did it at LSU. Uh, he hasn't done it at Alabama, and it's almost a little surprising. But with a guy like Evan Neal, I mean, when you're talking about the number one, you have to start with who can be the number one pick. The number one pick is never going to be a wide receiver. Never. Never again, anyway. The, the, the number one pick is not going to be a safety or a guard or an inside linebacker. That's never going to happen. Number one picks play premium positions. Quarterback, tackle pass rusher, defensive tackle, or cornerback. Those are premium positions. So you have to look at those spots if you're projecting a number one overall. It doesn't matter how good you are. It doesn't matter if you're Adrian Peterson at running back. You're not going to be the number one pick, not in 2020. So Alabama does have Evan Neal, a tackle, and Will Anderson, a pass rusher, who, who, you, who might have the clay that it takes to be the number one overall pick in the draft. So that'll, that's interesting just because Nick hasn't done it at Alabama. All right, Jimmy, let's do take that break. And when we come back, we'll talk about the DBs on the depth chart. All right, Jimmy, so the depth chart was released the other day. We talked about this on the podcast. We tried to get to all the we could. We got all the way to defensive back, which is far and away the most interesting, and um, we could not uh, get to it. So we're going to have to talk about it now. Um, the depth chart did come out. What did you think about it, and uh, what are your thoughts? Well, um it, it does, I, I agree with everything. It's the most interesting position because it has the most question marks, the most holes. Uh, you have six defensive back starters, your four regular starters, your fifth guy who's a, a the nickel guy, and the sixth guy who's the dime guy. So you have six starters. Alabama returned two in Pat Sertan, who's a star, and, and, and Jordan Battle, who's becoming a star. So we needed four new starters back there. So it's a heck of an opportunity for freshmen to come in now – I'm not sure who all projected that you'd end up with a freshman starter, and not many people did. I'm being you talked extensively that Brian Branch had a good chance maybe to be the sixth guy. I think the story of the camp at DB is Brian Branch, who has not only won a role apparently among the top six, but really the top five, and 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 it looks like he's going to be the Todd's fifth defensive back when Alabama's a nickel. <coughs> Alabama is in nickel a majority of the game, so it's a significant significant position uh, it looks right now like the other corner opposite Sertan will be Josh Job, who at least has quite a bit of experience he played in the Michigan game and for the most part I thought played really well and the new starting safety and regular is likely to be Daniel Wright who hasn't been a star player at Alabama and he's been around for three years it's fair to say why all of a sudden do we think Daniel Wright's good because he hasn't shown us that he's good in three years that's a very very fair question I'm just sort of high on him uh, for a couple of reasons. His measurables are, are great or even off the charts. His measurables are day one, day two good of the NFL draft. Secondly, he's a smart guy, which is a little under an underrated trait at safety. Daniel Wright's a bright kid. Uh, and third, while 
he hasn't been a starter at Alabama or played a significant role. He did fight some injuries early in his career, and he's played on special teams and, and has done okay. So I think Daniel Wright will be fine, and I think he might even be better than fine. Uh, but we'll see. Uh, the situation reminds me a little bit of Deontay Thompson until late in his career and then ends up being an early entry NFL guy. So um, the sixth defensive back right now looks like it's going to be DeMarco Helms, who will play when we're in dime. And uh, Helms, pretty highly recruited guy, played some of the true freshmen last year. He's a guy a little bit like Daniel Wright that you're like, it's fair to say, are we playing Helms because he's good or are we playing Helms because he's the best of some bad options? I mean, that's fair to ask. Uh, but we'll find out early on because those are the six guys that are going to be on the field. But the big story really to me is Brian Branch, a true freshman um, who, un, you know, it's a different rant, but man, we really ripped on our freshman, you know, defensive players last year, like Shane Lee, who had to play because of injury. And, and we were telling people all the time, look, you can't just say he's a fr- he's only playing because veterans are hurt. Brian Branch is a completely different situation. Here's a guy who has beaten out veterans. I mean, who should be the fifth defensive back? Jalen Armour Davis, Juco Sani, Ronald Williams. Brandon Turnage has been in the program. Marcus Banks has been in the program. Brian Branch beat out all those guys. So uh, he's earned it, and, and I don't expect him to struggle like some of our freshman defense last year who were playing just simply because – of injuries and there was no one else that could play. Uh, and then of course, Malachi Moore is also uh, yes. listed there. And man, that you talk about a guy that's had somewhat of a, a turnaround to some degree. I mean, it wasn't that long ago that the rumor was Malachi Moore was being talked to about potentially taking a gray shirt uh, that, that was making the rounds. And I believe it has some validity and, of course, that didn't happen. And, hey, great for Alabama because apparently he's a badass. <laughs> he has transitioned well, apparently, and is doing well and is a guy that's going to play some this year, second kind of second team at star, second team at safety. He's going to play quite a bit, apparently. And I'm a little surprised because based on tape, I wasn't, I wasn't necessarily knocked out. I thought he was a little overrated um, in terms of where he was in, in those national – rankings so i'll be the first to admit i was a little wrong here but the fact that malachi apparently is good and has made the transition sort of easily is a good reminder about taking these seven a kids from big programs i mean that's the reminder is when you take a seven a kid from hewitt trustville or thompson or hoover you know you're might maybe you're not getting an nfl first round guy but you're getting a guy who doesn't really have a floor uh because they're good they're good. If they if you stand out at those programs, you're good. And it's sophisticated football. They're not drawing plays in the dirt at Hewitt Trustville. Their quarterback, Cade Ott Carruth, the grandson of Paul Ott Carruth, is getting up at the line of scrimmage and hollering out the play after he looks at a bunch of play cards. And he's calling the formation, the personnel package, the play, the snap count. And it's like, I mean, it's a college offense and, right. and, and defensively the same way. I mean, so that's why the transition's easier for those guys. And when you're like, oh, well, everybody does that. No, really, they don't. Really, they don't. If you think everybody does that, you don't go see 2A ball in Fife 
They're not sophisticated. They can't. They don't have enough kids on the team to be sophisticated. Everybody on the team's got to learn to play four spots. You know, so yeah. uh, it's very interesting uh, that Malachi's doing well, and, and we shouldn't be surprised. It's just a good lesson about taking kids from winning programs like Jordan Battle, who came from well, St. Thomas Aquinas. Yeah, and the flip side to that is, whereas you probably should not be as surprised when a guy like Malachi Moore, who kicked ass at Hewitt Trustful, is doing well, that maybe it explains why it took Ben Davis a little bit longer to, yep. to get on the same page with everybody and to live up to his potential and where he is, is penciled as a starter now because he was playing at Gordo, which is a much lower classification, and he was bigger, stronger, faster than everybody all the time. And so maybe it just wasn't as important to know uh, I'm not saying he doesn't, but to, to have the fundamentals or to know the various systems, you you see ball, get ball kind of thing, uh, you know, just to throw that out there. Of course, everything is individualized and blah, 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 blah. But yeah, uh, anyway. and, uh, I had a coach, an Alabama coach tell me, I'm talking about now so years ago, I had an Alabama coach tell me, we signed a five-star, what, well, what amounts to, they didn't have the recruiting industry wasn't in full recruiting mode <laughs> wasn't wasn't I don't think we had the star system back then but we signed the equivalent of a five-star in 2000 Anthony Bryant from a 1A school Sunshine uh, I think it's the high school he went to I mean a 1A country school and he, he was the equivalent of a five-star everybody wanted him he was very well known candidate for number one prospect in Alabama everybody's trying to sign him the fans are just giddy overtaking him Right for signing that after signing that, I talked to a coach, you know, and I said, Man, that Bryant kid, he he's he could be something. And he told me right then and there's a month after the kid signed, he's like, It's gonna take two or three years to teach him how to play SEC football, and everybody's gonna be disappointed. Then you watch in his senior year, he's gonna be good, and then he'll play in the NFL. That's exactly what happened. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's exactly what happened. And see, that's your coach's block he knows and of course he knew the kid and and he, he, he and sometimes you take kids that i know every fan thinks every freshman is a potential instant impact star no no some kids you just, mo most of these kids have to be developed they're not all will andersons well know? no people will remember anthony bryant uh, because his calves were bigger than Philip Rivers Christmas wish list. I mean, they were, they were, his calves were bigger than most people's heads. I mean, they were huge. This is a huge human being. So, yep. Um, huge human all being. All right, Jimmy, that's going to do it for this podcast. We're about out of time, but uh, catch us tomorrow. We'll be back right here with more Locked On Bama. So roll tight. Thanks for having me. Roll tight. <laughs> You're welcome. Join us again, will you? <laughs> <laughs> Roll tight.